Turn your Bible to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. Now this is related to the passage that Brother Steve read this morning, Brother Eric read tonight. If you were listening carefully, Brother Steve read from the book of Mark, and Brother Eric read from the book of Matthew. Both parallel accounts of what Jesus was saying, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And Jesus added, He that is ashamed of me in this generation, him will I also be ashamed in the glory of the Father. The passage in John is a reminder of the honor of being called to serve the Lord. I was just thinking tonight, Brother Eric came to read the word. He was out preaching this morning over at New Gasper. Brother Lloyd Williford gave us one of the most eloquent sermons when he sang this morning. He spoke of what his father had said and those midnight hours at the television station. I don't know whether any of you remember this. I've forgotten what year it was. But when the television first opened, it was out at Hadley Hill. And the whole works was out there. And every Saturday night, they'd have a sign-off in the Beauchamp. Brother Roger, who was serving in Owensboro at that time, drove all the way from Owensboro, and I drove out there, and we conducted that devotional midnight hour, or it was about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, every Saturday night. That was the beginning of the television, Channel 13, when they first started. And I thought of Roger serving the Lord. I thought of his son, Singh, who was faithfully preaching the word, a wonderful man of God, and Singh preached his first sermon here. I thought of Kevin Ham, who grew up right here in our church, Jerry's son, Richie's brother. And Kevin offered his life to the Lord right here. I thought of Chris Butler and Mark Butler, who offered their lives to the Lord right here. I thought of Bob Norman and Jack Oy, and on and on we could go, of scores of young people who have come to this altar and said, Here, my Lord, use me. And they've not said no when God said go. There have been a few who have gone away from God. What a tragedy. And I want to lay on our hearts tonight. Don't ever, ever, ever say no when God says go. Even if you've done it before, ask God to change your heart. Listen to the scripture. Henceforth I call you not servant, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friend. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. The greatest honor in all the world is to be chosen to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. That great privilege 
has never been bestowed upon angels, nor cherubs, nor any of the heavenly hosts. One would think that such a high honor and noble position would be granted only to the elite or the deserving, only to those who were clean and pure. Yet God's word declares that Christ died for the ungodly. He did not choose the righteous of the world, but rather the sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Surely it is unthinkable that one who is chosen by Christ, invited to the great marriage supper of the Lamb, should ever say no to the Master or ever go away from Christ. Yet some do go away from Christ. A while ago, several of our people stood and said reasons why they would not or did not want to go away from Christ. I asked that reason. I've preached this type of message many, many times in revival meetings. And a lot of times I've asked the people, and maybe the night before, would you write down some reasons why you think people go away from Christ? I've got a whole envelope full of things. Let me read some of them to you. These are reasons why people go away from Christ. They fail to attend church. They fail to pray. They fail to read the Bible. Apathy. Indifference. Love of worldly entertainment. Love of money. Gossip. Hurt feelings because of someone's long tongue. I didn't say these things. These are notes that were written to me. They were placed on the pulpit when I had made that request. Failure to ground themselves firmly in the Word. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And that's what Phil Brent says to us every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. People don't understand the importance of God's uh, Word in our lives. Many are afraid of the fact that there is someone they cannot see that is more powerful than they are. Failure to count the cost of going all the way with Jesus. People fall away from God because they do not ground themselves in the Word of God. Without the proper foundation, nothing can stand, and God's Word is the foundation of a Christian. They do not pray without ceasing and continually think about God. They also do not spend time alone with God to let Him speak to their heart. Here's a little poem that was put on my desk. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they should be called the children of the devil. Blessed is he who has not time to pray, for he will be an easy prey to the devil. And then someone else wrote this. Somebody in the church hurt my feelings. There are too many hypocrites in that church for me to go. One of the deacons even cheated me on a business deal. I've committed a terrible sin, and I feel too guilty or to even go among God's people. Sunday is the only day I have to rest and be with my family. There are too many things in my life I would have to give up. I enjoy doing them. I can't be good enough, and I wouldn't want to pretend I was. I'll get saved or live a committed life later. I'm too young for that now. Life is full of fun when you're young. I don't have time. My life is full. I'm already overcommitted. 
Ain't those things sound familiar? You ever heard somebody say that? I was talking to a man at the hospital, I told you this morning, maybe in the Sunday school class or in the service. I was talking to a man at the hospital who told me he had gone too deep in sin, God couldn't save him. There are a lot of people that think that way. But I want to tell you, no one has gone so far but that Christ can redeem him and bring him back if he's willing to come. Why do people go away from Christ? The glorious high honor of serving the Lord. You imagine somebody saying, I don't want to serve the Lord anymore. I'm not going to do it. Well, backsliding is a fact of life. There are two groups of backsliders. There's the superficial professors who never had anything to begin with. And then there's the real possessors who use these kind of excuses to go away from God. And I want to tell you, every one of us is just one step moved from going away from God. When we begin to say no to God, we're asked to do something great for His glory. We say, no, I can't do it. You're in danger, terrible danger. I try to go to sleep at night. I, I, I don't sleep well at night. And it's not that I have sleep apathy. I wake up often in the night praying for our people. It's an amazing thing to me that God's great people, whom I love with all my heart, could lose their hunger for the things of God. A little while ago, we fed you the beautiful life of D.L. Moody. Some were right here in the building didn't even want to come in there. I have no idea why. You had other things to do. Listen, when our church offers you something good, take advantage of it. Get in on it. It's an awful thing to lose your hunger. I've wondered sometimes if God would give us a famine, a spiritual famine. I've watched people come and give their hearts to Christ. And sometimes I go stand at the back door and scores of people rush out that door. They never come down to shake hands, never say a word of encouragement to these who come. That's hard to understand. I'm not going to ask for a vote, but how many of you think I ought to understand that? Preachers ought to understand. They're just in a hurry. They've got things to do. You preach too long. This morning I didn't. You know that. I quit at 10 till, and then we had a baptismal service. We got out about five after. But I'm just unloading my heart to you tonight. I want to tell you, God wants us to be totally involved. And after a while, if we take for granted those that come to trust Christ as our Savior, or give their lives to the Lord, or offer their lives on the altar, and we take that for granted, God may say, okay, I'll withdraw that blessing. You can go on out, rush out to the restaurant or the home or whatever you want to do, and don't bother with that. That's, in a sense, going away from God. You may not look at it like that, but I plead with you to do it. Now, if you get embarrassed of what I'm preaching tonight, God bless you, pray for me, I love you, but I'm telling you, 
This is what God has laid on my heart. Like a little while ago, God laid on my heart to ask you to not, never say no when God says go. It is part of a spiritual panoply in your life. God has sent me here to guard your spiritual lives. You may like it, you may not like it, but that's what God has told me to do. And dearly beloved, if I don't pray and preach and share with you the burden of my heart, I haven't done what God wanted me to do. Now, there are two kinds of backsliders. One never had anything to begin with. The others had something, but they walked out on God. And we have to classify ourselves. Have you ever wondered why some people make professions of faith and they don't stick? You look for them a year later and they're not there? You don't have to lift your hand, but if you've wondered about it, I want to give you the reason. Number one, when Jesus Christ really comes into your heart and changes you, he's like somebody stood and said a while ago, the love of Christ constrains We can't help it. It isn't our love for him, it's his love that pulls us along. It's like you get in an old-fashioned wagon drawn by horses, and the one that's up there leading and uh, telling the horses to get up and go and so on, and giving them a little whip and so on, they go, you're in the wagon. The only way you can get out of that wagon is to get out. You can jump out, but the wagon's going on. You get on a train in the old days, and that train is on its way. You could jump off the train and maybe commit suicide, but if you're on the train, you're going on. Or else you purposely get off. Now, when you get in line with the Lord, you give your life to Him and put your all on the altar for Him, He's going on. The Christian way goes on, on and on and on. Just like when Columbus crossed the Atlantic, my men go mutinous day by day, my men go ghastly wan and weak. The stalemate said, Now, brave Admiral, speak, what shall we say if we sight not but see at dawn? What shall we say at break of day? Columbus said, sail on and on. And that's what the Lord says to us. You just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, until one day God says that's enough and you come on home. We work here, we rest there. Now God has built into our lives a need for rest, and every once in a while you ought to take two or three hour nap, four or five hour nap, depending on what you need. Some people need 10 hours. But whatever you need, take it, and then get up and go again. Don't give in to the old flesh to live by your field. Terrible tragedy is it when men begin to live by their feelings. Very briefly, I want to give you the thought tonight. Why do men go away from Christ? Some go, to, go away because of public opinion. Simon Peter did this. There was a young man in our church in Guthrie, Kentucky years ago named Charlie. He got saved, started going great for the Lord. He was a wonderful, wonderful young man, went even visiting with me, and then he joined the National Guard. And the summer came. He had to go to Georgia for the National Guard. I went with him to the train. I gave him a little testament, put it in his pocket, and I said, Now, Charlie, when you get on that train, there's going to be some other young people your age who are going to want you to gamble and play cards and 
cuss and swear and drink. I said, is Christ in your heart? He said, yes, sir. I said, then you know what to do about it. Identify yourself. Don't be silent. Identify yourself. Peter's main problem at the trial of Jesus, he was quiet. He didn't identify himself. So Charlie, on that train, went on, went to Georgia, was gone two or three weeks, and then he came back. He didn't come to church. He didn't come Sunday or Wednesday. I went to see him. Well, he said, uh, I, I just don't, I'm not interested anymore. I said, Charlie, what happened? Well, he said, nothing happened. He said, Charlie, I know better than that. Finally, he told me. So when I got on the train, there were all these other young people, and they wanted me to join in with them in playing cards. And I said, no, I don't play cards. They said, Charlie, you just tied to your mother's panty waist. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? And so he uh, couldn't take the pressure, started playing cards with him. After a while, they got out their liquor. Come on, Charlie, take a drink, take a drink. And Charlie said, no, I don't drink. Come on, are you just a sissy? And Charlie said, I couldn't stand the pressure, and I, I took a drink. I took another drink. He said, preacher, I've been playing cards and gambling and drinking and living in sin all these three weeks. I'm not fit to come to church. I gave him the word of God. Charlie rededicated his life to the Lord and came on back. But he went away because of public opinion. There are a lot of people that do that. They just quit on God because they've gotten with some others that have quit on God and they go away. Then sometimes because of personal ambition, the rich young ruler had other things to do. He didn't want to serve the Lord. He had riches. And when he heard what Jesus said, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, he went away sorrowful because he had many riches. And the Bible says Jesus loved him. There are another reason people go away is because of the lure of the world and overemphasis on the things of the world. Another, the going gets hard. In John 6, 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now how do men go away from Christ? Cold affection. They leave the Bible off. They quit praying. They quit witnessing. You know, there are a lot of used-to-be witnesses. There are a lot of people in this room that every week you would go out sowing. You loved it. And then you got busy doing good things. You just laid it off, took it off. You didn't do it anymore. And didn't even realize this was causing you to go away from Christ. You didn't realize it. You said, well, I'm pretty good. I still, I go to church all the time. I read the Bible and so on. But this one big thing you've left out. You no longer are the faithful witness for Christ that God wants you to be. And so in that sense, you go away from Christ. People quit going to church. We had a young man in our church years ago. Wonderful, wonderful young man. We used to go so willing with him all the time. He was elected as a deacon. I thought any minute he might turn to the priest. And then uh, one Wednesday night, I noticed he wasn't there. Next Wednesday night, he wasn't there. So I went to see him. You working on Wednesday night? No, no, I just I got some other things. I couldn't come. You understand that, don't you, preacher? He's a good friend. I tried to understand. I think sometimes I understand too much. Then I noticed he didn't come on Sunday night. 
Then he didn't come on Sunday morning church. He came just for Sunday school. And that was it. Then he didn't come to Sunday school. After a while, he started nipping at the bottle. A Christian? Yeah, he was a Christian. I know he was. After a while, he was unfaithful to his home. One morning, I got a phone call. Your friend is dead. He died of a heart attack. What a tragedy. God gives a warning. You cannot, as a believer, you cannot go away from God without suffering a consequence. It's just a truth. It's a truism. God deals one of three or four ways with a sinning Christian. Number one, he hurts his heart. If you won't listen to that, he sends somebody to him. If you won't listen to that, then God begins the winds of affliction and discipline. If you won't listen to that, God says, all right, you're my child. I don't want you doing your testimony any longer. You come on home. God brings them home. People who go away from Christ. What a tragedy. Now, I don't know why God laid this on my heart tonight. It's just there. It burned in my soul. I had, to, I had to share it with you. What are the consequences of going away from Christ? Direct influence. Tragedy in your life. The loss of love. You begin stubbornly to defend your position. You say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want to do. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Jesus said, you're my friend. I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. You imagine being chosen by Christ to do a mighty work for God and then you just go away from him. Let me plead with you not to do it. There's some right here, I, I assume, I don't know why God laid this on my heart. There may be somebody in this room who's right on the brink of going away from God. Don't do it. I've just sort of shared the overflow of my heart. I beg you, I plead with you, in Jesus' name, never say no when God says go. There's some in this room tonight God has called to preach. You haven't surrendered yet. There's some in this room that God wants to use in a glorious way, maybe in some mission endeavor somewhere, or to teach a Sunday school class, or to serve in some special way, or to line up and say, I'm going to put my all on the altar for this church to go forward in Jesus' name. And you stubbornly said back, I'm not going to do it. God will deal with your heart. You can't get by with that. Can't do it. And so I plead with you, in Jesus' name, Offer yourself to him willingly. This morning, I brought that message how Moses challenged the people to give. He set the example, and the people gave willingly. David it was, and, he gave, and they gave willingly of what they had. The best thing you can give the Lord is not your gold, it's not your silver, it's not your bank account, it's you. In the book of Corinthians, Paul writes, and says the Macedonians first gave themselves to the Lord 
And then he got what they had. Give yourself all on the altar to Jesus. I dare you to do it. There may be somebody here tonight who is not saved. If you died this moment, you wouldn't go to heaven. You may be a good person. You may, you may be a, you may be a, somebody who goes to church all You may even be a church member. But in your heart of hearts, you know you're not saved. I plead with you, don't go on away from God. Let's pray. Our heads bowed and eyes closed before the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, thy great people. I love them with all my heart. And I love you, Lord, and I thank you for calling me to preach. I thank you for giving the people patience to put up with me all these years. But, oh God, I ask you in Jesus' name, put on the hearts of your precious people tonight a willingness always say, I'll go where he wants me to go. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll say what he wants me to say. I'll never say no when God says go. I don't want to go away from God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What's sound? Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Do what God tells you while we sing. Whatever it means, maybe you can settle right where you stand. Maybe you need to come and kneel at the altar. Maybe you need to come and recommit your life or offer your life on the altar to Jesus. If you're not saved, I plead with you to come to Christ tonight while we pray and while we stand. Will you come?